Hello and welcome to episode 145 of the CogniCast, the podcast by Cognitech Inc. about software and the people who create it. I'm Russ Olson. This week our host Karen Meyer talks to Zishan Lakani about papers we love and doing the right thing and lots of other interesting topics. But before we get started, we do have a few announcements. The folks over at Closure Bridge, Minnesota will be hosting a Closure Bridge workshop on October 5 and 6, right there in one of my favorite places, Minneapolis, Minnesota. So bundle up and head on over to www.closurebridgemn, that's all one word, .org. In case you've missed it, Closure Bridge is dedicated to increasing diversity within the programming community by offering free, beginner-friendly closure programming workshops to people from underrepresented groups. And while there's lots of live and in-person closure-oriented meetups like Closure Bridge, there's also a virtual closure meetup called, appropriately enough, the Virtual Closure Meetup. So if that sounds interesting, head on over to meetup.com slash virtual dash closure dash meetup and check it out. Last and certainly not least, the Conj 2018 registration is still going on. So get your tickets at 2018.closure-conj.org. We'll be announcing the speakers very shortly. If you have a closure-related event you'd like us to mention, please drop us a line at podcast at cognitech.com. So that's about it. So on the Karen and Zishan and episode 145 of the Cognicast. So welcome everyone. Today is August 21st and this is the Cognicast. I'm Karen Meyer and today it's my great pleasure to welcome uh, Zishan Lakani to the show. So thank you so much for being with us, Zishan. Thank you for having me. This is uh, totally cool to be on. I'm, yeah, it's pretty, pretty stoked. Yeah, so um, just kind of random uh, chit chat here, but um, so are you? Are you still in New York? Because I think you were saying. I think I looked at your Twitter thing, and, and you're in New York. Uh, no, I mean, um, I mean, uh, I'm still proverbially in New York to some degree. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm, I've kind of moved. Uh, it's been. I just started the move. I guess it's like a major, a, a big set of three moves uh, to Pittsburgh, oh, okay. uh, Pennsylvania. That's where I'm. In right now, in a small little room in the corner of Carnegie Mellon University. So. Sweet. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I definitely want to dig into what you're doing at um, CMU, but I want to follow the format, the traditional format of the show yep, yep. that says that the first thing needs to be an experience of art. So it's um, art as anything that it means to you that could be visual, it could be audio, it could be poetry, um, just anything. Cool. Yeah. No. I, uh, I I did get the heads up on this question, and I was I was too many thoughts. <laughs> but uh, I think you know the way I pared it down uh, to what I would say is you know my background, uh, and I think it informs a lot of what I do now in, in computing. Um, but my background in uh, in film and then music later, um, degrees that you know make a lot of money. Uh, but uh, um, my background in those kind of it's still stuff that I love, and I think the two the two that I would mention is uh, I've been um, I had seen uh, the Black Klansman in the theater. It's the first thing I did when I got to Pittsburgh, and uh, uh, I loved it. Uh, but I, I was been rewatching a lot of Spike Lee films, so uh, a movie that um, I uh, fell in love with again just recently is Do the Right Thing, which is a classic kind of film about a lot of things in our society right now. I still think it's pretty pertinent. Um, but the movie is just amazing, and I think one of the few little funny things that I was thinking about. There's this amazing uh, opening sequence in it. Um, it's just like five minutes shot, and plays uh, "Fight the Power" by Public Enemy, uh, great song, and uh, it's Rosie Perez like doing this awesome dance sequence, and uh, uh, it's it's just amazing. I mean, I'm not doing it justice with words uh, or over over audio, uh, 
Um, it's great to watch. Um, and it's on, I think they have all his movies on HBO that they did, uh, last month. And, uh, you know, the, the opening I was reading, you know, this is a really cool kind of really provocative, powerful opening. And then, um, uh, Spike Lee was saying that he was influenced by this really weird movie, uh, not weird movie, like old movie that no one would think he would be influenced by called Bye Bye Birdie, which has this opening sequence of, uh, I forget the actor's name, was singing Bye Bye Birdie, um, and over this like blue screen. And I don't know, it's just this like, really powerful thing of like how influence happens, even though it's from, you know, movies that are very different. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, Do the Right Thing is just like a powerful movie that still kind of is ambiguous and opens up a lot of questions and I think uh, makes people, you know, it makes, makes me think. Uh, heavily. Um, the other I was going to mention quickly is, and, and then we'll talk maybe about Papers We Love later, um, but we, but me and uh, one of my co-organizers, Darren Newton, have been putting together, uh, as we do every year for the conference, our PWL Conf playlist. And uh, uh, I think it's a really exciting playlist. Uh, maybe we could share the link on this. I think it's, a, I think it's about ready to go. And um, it's just a lot of great work. Uh, we have these like awesome uh, uh, a great list of like women singers that we wanted to really uh, showcase. We have like a lot of good '90s hip hop on it, and it's been kind of like a revelation to kind of go through. I've been listening to that playlist maybe it's like I think over a thousand times now as we've <laughs> as we've worked on it, and uh, it's it's just good. I you know I, I, like I love lots of kinds of music. I mean, there's everything in there from uh, Sibomato to like Debussy to like EPMD. Uh, and I, you know, it's, it's uh, and Run DMC and stuff like that. So it's 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 a really great thing. And I think you know, I like a lot of things, and I think the playlist showcases that. So I don't know. It's, it, and it's found like making a playlist is art. The music is art, but the playlist itself has kind of a a fun kind of uh, ar- archive of my listening life, I guess, currently. So neat. So you come from a, an interesting background of. Uh, studying film and, and music. So uh, I guess I, get, I, have, I have many questions about this, mm. but uh, I guess first your your art experience or one of them was about films. And I'm just wondering if, if uh, you feel like you have like a greater appreciation now for, for watching a film now that mm. you've kind of studied the art, the craft of it. Um, I would say the, the more I've gotten away from like, uh you know, making or trying, attempting to make films, um, the better, the more I've, I'm more happy about it. Uh, I think those years during and after, like right after when I went to school and was really into it, as I, tr- I was trying to work in it uh, early on, um, uh, I was more way too analytical and uh, had way too many uh, kind of ups and downs of what my thoughts were. Um, and that showcases in the things I've made that I show nobody. And, um, <laughs> Uh, I think now I can actually like sometimes, not always, but step back a little and enjoy something a little bit more fun. You know, like I, you know, I just saw the Mission Impossible movie and I just thought it was great. Um, <laughs> it's fantastic, ridiculous, but amazingly fantastic. And, um, you know, I, I think over time it's gotten a little better from that. But yeah, I used to like analyze, I mean, you know, uh, paying attention to everything in the cinematography. And it was like work, like watching a movie was another set of work, uh, which is weird to say, but it was. Huh. So you, uh, were you, were you doing programming when you were studying film in school or did that come later? Yeah, no, uh, I mean, um, uh, I was not doing it at all. I remember in, in film school, we did have we did have this one really great uh, professor who did more like interactive art, and I kind of did uh, try to dive into that. Um, and this person later, his name was David Stahl, he later worked with uh, another a great artist named Luke Dubois, a computer artist. But I was really scared. I mean, I did I did I use one of these like visual programming apps. It was called Isadora, so it was made by a, a kind of uh, a interactive dancer. And it, that was okay. And then there was more of there was like more complex visual programming uh, um, interfaces like uh, Maximus P and Jitter and these things. I was so scared uh, of them, and I was like, "No way! I will never do that." Um, you know, I was I was good enough getting by. I was really into cinematography, and I was like, "I can do enough math to like do depth of focus and like get the right f stop and the right like ratios for lighting." Um, and that was pretty good. And uh, and uh, yeah, pr- the programming. I mean, I, I did editing. I used you know uh, software, Adobe products, and 
Final Cut Pro and all those things. But when it came to like, uh, yeah, I actually remember where I hit the head of like, I couldn't do it. I thought was uh, I was doing some animation stuff in a in a Adobe After Effects uh, animation program, and you can add scripts. And I think at that time it was something like uh, Action Script. It took Action Script two or three. That's back in the day. Just, you know, uh, totally remember. Yeah, and uh, and uh, you know, I remember like I saw one kid in the class like do it and uh she did it and it was like super cool and uh i was like but i will never be able to <laughs> so at that time that's what i said um so it was it was definitely like it it felt like too far removed for me at the time um yeah it wasn't it wasn't until later that i even yeah it, it was, it, everything else came later for programming so, so what 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 made the switch or kind of led you into the programming world yeah, I mean, uh, so I did a after film school, and after uh, not getting, not, not having stable enough jobs, a lot of like one-off, day, you know, uh, day things. <laughs> um, I got, uh, I, I decided to go back to school, um, and I was really into music at the time and audio engineering, and I did go to, uh, I went, ended up going to NYU uh, in the kind of early mid, early aughts. Um, for uh, for music technology, and I was doing kind of the first year mostly concert recording and audio engineering, and also playing a lot of piano and a band and all this stuff. But then uh, the second year, uh, from a recommendation from a friend who was a used to be a DJ and great electronic artist, um, he said take this class called um, MIR, uh, which is, uh, stands for Music Information Retrieval, um, and it was doing cool things. But I took another course too in kind of computing digital signal theory, which is like you know digital signal processing, a lot of Fourier transforms, doing like compression like with a computer, writing that program. Uh, but then the MIR one was the one that kind of like sparked it for me to at least think about it, um, which was like we were doing stuff like analyzing playlists and finding similarity of songs in a playlist or doing things like, I mean, the base thing we had to do for like a, a class was like a genre recognition. Um, we would do cool things like... Um, uh, like pitch detection uh, and these kinds of things. And I don't know, I was also doing kind of electronic music and that kind of worked well to like have music be driven by something generative. Um, and so that was kind of the, that class was, I mean, I, took, I did that a little bit there in grad school, some other programming stuff, like I did Arduinos and physical computing and that was fun. Um, but it was that class in, in, this, in, in music informatics basically that was kind of like, whoa, um, this is pretty powerful. I can do some really powerful things, um, and I can, you know, find really cool sets of information and intersect them and use them for various things. So um, that's kind of what at least started getting me there. Even though that that, that language was MATLAB at the time, so yeah, that's a good language. Yeah, What's wrong with that. I got a lot of I got I got marked off for using for loops though, because you're not supposed to use for loops. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> You have to use linear, you know, linear, uh, linear algebra and like you know matrix, matrix math to, <laughs> to do things performantly. So it was fun. I did not understand that at the time. My professor was like performance. I was like, ah, oh, I just run it and leave for like four hours, and then finally <laughs> I get the results. So. Totally fine. <laughs> so uh, there was this thing on. I was looking online, and it just sparked my interest so much. I'm hoping that you can kind of tell me a little bit about it. Mm. Um, in your background in music technology, it says that your thesis is an application written in processing in Java. Yeah. So, so can, uh, <laughs> what, what is this? Yeah. It's, a, it's a crazy thesis that, uh, uh, you know, did, did not lead to a lot of greater things. But uh, at this time, this is the, you know, this is like early to mid aughts, or this is like like 2009 now, maybe like later aughts. Um, I was uh, I I was wanting to do a, uh, I was really into data visualization. I had taken some classes at the the ITP program, interactive telecommunications at NYU as well. Um, Daniel Schiffman, who's there, is a great, super awesome teacher, and I couldn't get into his class because it was full and it was not my major, but I got to like work with him. But I got into data viz um, and processing, and I wanted to do something, uh, you know, coming up with a thesis with my advisor, uh, something around uh, um, visualizing something. And what we came to was uh, looking at chordal weights and remixes. So um, at that time, uh, Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor had this awesome flash site where they uh, released uh, the multi-tracks of one of his one of the newer records. This is like post uh, Fragile. 
and uh, and uh, you can download all the tracks. And people did all these crazy remixes, and we had this corpus. Um, and then we were able to like, I had a friend who was doing uh, PhD, he just started his PhD at NYU doing um, real time chord recognition, uh, which is cool. And I uh, was able to use his work and some, uh, it was a great API at the time, uh, this thing called Echo Nest, which gave you a lot of information about like beats in the song and, and the minor and major keys. And so we could actually use all these kind of things together to get like um, a, uh, a kind of a majority, you know, a majority chord sequence of, of what those, of that remix. And then used uh, like, my professor kind of got me into, um, a little bit in the set work in bioinformatics and genomics, uh, very little, but a little bit like we can like visualize, like align the remixes based on, you know, where they have the maximal point of similarity. And the idea was to kind of see where, like how people, like what chunks, uh, what chunks of progressions do people tend to use more from these remixes and kind of rally around in parts of the song. Um, and so that was the, the thesis, um, uh, it's super long name that I can't remember visualizing temporal temporal something uh, um, or another um, and it was this kind of mix of yeah use, doing com, some uh, search a little bit of search algorithm alignment and like visualizing it it was like a 3d interface um, that you can kind of kind of maneuver and see the weightings of these things and uh, they were inspired by uh, a thing in bioinformatics called um, bifurcation plots um, so, um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I passed my defense and, um, uh, they said some pretty good things about it. They let me graduate. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was, that was the first, like on my own, uh, heavily programmed project I had to really do. Um, and, uh, I, I and the processing in Java was, I actually like used, wrote it in Java, but you can like use, uh, bring in processing libraries in Java I needed Java to do um, to to like implement some uh, search algorithms like a, from the Knuth book um, <laughs> algorithms I had to implement. Wow, hardcore! And yeah, I, I I barely you know it took me uh, uh, way too I, I went over my you know I did I did more than two years <laughs> to do this um, and you know it was hard I I, uh, I didn't have uh, that time and there was like Stack Overflow and stuff I guess had been around but like. Um, there, I didn't. I was not well. Like I was not in the computer science department, so I didn't really get. It's hard to get the help to kind of get past some of the hurdles. It just took a lot of like, um, yeah, a lot of just long nights and a lot of mistakes. Uh, but you know, that's I've come to enjoy that now. I still, it still happens the same way. So, um, but yeah. So cool. From from that from that point there, then were you just kind of doing more programming stuff or were you still doing music stuff and programming stuff? Yeah. I mean, um, I still have my band, but that's when things get, you know, it got a little uh, murky. Um, I, I, yeah, I just got married at the time and I was like looking to get something that, that paid decently well. But, um, you know, having a master's degree and just having a year of this uh, background, the thing is there was not a lot of the, the time, like a lot of like the audio gigs were not there. Like Spotify was not a thing. Uh, Google Music was not a thing. I mean, you would have there was like uh, Last FM, which was in the UK, um, and then there was uh, um, like Pandora, but they had not kind of moved into this to that kind of kind of work yet. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, I started you know uh, started from the bottom. Now we're here, like uh, HTML. I got one part time job doing HTML and CSS, like like by hand. And then another uh, 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 data entry, and manually, uh, manually tr going, taking uh, this one guy would give me all this like, electronic music um, CDRs, and, uh, and I'm really dating myself and all this uh, <laughs> uh, CDRs, and I would have to go through, and I had 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 some good music background, but not necessarily like all the different component, like all the specific electronic dance music stuff at the time. This is kind of pre. Um, you know, kind of a, a hit really big, and there's like there's lots there's still lots of kinds of genres, and I had to manually figure it out and put it in some you know, data entry item, and uh, the guy would get really upset when I called something not intelligent dance music, even though it was, <laughs> and it was like or jungle slash uh, something, and I had those two part time jobs, and um, but uh, you know I kind of stuck with. Um, Learning it and had a lot of nice people along the way who uh, got me a little better programming jobs. I, I wouldn't say that I enjoyed it that much, though, uh, especially because 
I wasn't doing like music related programming. Uh, I mean, at, at my own time, I still did some electronic music, and, I, and that was fun. But um, like the day to day stuff was not that. Um, and then it became websites, right? Um, as as one does, I think. Um, and it wasn't until like a little bit later where things kind of changed. So, um, so what what was it that changed for you then? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, a couple things. Uh, and uh, I think one was uh, one was I was at this pretty cool job at the New York Public Library, like on 42nd Street with the Lions. Like if you watch Ghostbusters, um, I, I got to walk in there every day. That was kind of cool. That is very um, cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's a whole underground network of how the books work. That's the cool part. Um, I wish I could just work down there. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Just, <laughs> just digress and tell me a little bit about sure. the secret underground yeah, library so, network. Um, obviously, they have so much, so many materials, and they have stuff that even for the curated collections, they can't fit everything because they have only a certain amount of space. Like Rare Books Division will only put out certain books. And there's some stuff that's like too damaged, for example. So like you'll see that stuff. You go down under, basically under Bryant Park in New York. Um, there's this whole. Hope I'm not going to get like arrested for saying this information like that. Was there an NDA? I missed. No, I don't think so. Um, but uh, it's this whole like underground thing of like, and there's people who work downstairs, and they're basically cataloging there, and they're they have whole storage sections of books that have to have remain a certain temperature that they can't put up in the main library, and it takes like almost the whole length of Bryant Park. Um, and so, uh, and things travel through there to go to other parts of the library. Um, it is. Oh my gosh. This sounds like it should be a film right here. Uh, I know. I I think, uh, it was, I was lucky to have to get the tour because I worked there. I don't think they give this to the public. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty wacky and pretty awesome. Uh, So what were you, what were you doing for them there? Um, so I was doing, uh, you know, I was in a lab that was called the New York Public Library Lab, and um, you know, really good people. Um, the the lab, the the programming work was not so interesting. It was more the content, right? So we did. Um, I had a, a coworker who did this really cool project where he um, uh, did um, took like the stereograph, like the the, the kind of early three D imaging kind of model. Like we we had, you know, we had those at the library. The actual. <clears throat> stereo, uh, you know, stereogram like uh, the physical pieces do that work and we had some photos but he did it he created a way to do it digitally like kind of um, emulate it digitally uh, in the browser and so we had people from other libraries give us their you know uh, stereoscopic uh, images and we were able to like um, scan them and then like kind of give you the feel of what they were but you know without having you know you could wear the 3d glasses like on your browser and kind of get the gist of it cool um, that was pretty cool. We did it. We did it. There was a cool archive of like menus. Uh, they have. They have. I think the biggest. Uh, the NYPL has the biggest archive of of history of New York menus, uh, other menus as well beyond New York as they've gotten new collections. And we had like a whole site where you can kind of investigate and actually like, um, you know, get uh, kind of user source some of the information about the things because we 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 you couldn't run these menus through like. Um, even some of the OCR object recognition stuff that was out there, um, it was just too too far gone or, or too difficult because of like cursive and you know people have crazy lettering in their menus back in history. So we were like kind of crowdsourced that and do that kind of work. Um, it was pretty cool, like super cool content stuff. Um, but uh, but you know I had a friend who worked there with me. Um, uh, Clint Newsom and him and I. He he uh, I barely knew him, but he was like. One day he was like, "You're gonna go to Strange Loop, uh, Strange Loop conference in St. Louis." I was like, "What? What's that? I don't know what that is." He's like, "You're gonna go. You're gonna go with me." And uh, he bought like he bought like me a ticket. I had to pay him back, but he's like, "Here's a ticket, Strange Loop, a plane ticket, and like you're coming to St. Louis." And um, and that's when uh, that's when I think everything shifted. I blame Alex Miller for this, for all this stuff. So, but, so, so I guess like explain like what what happened this this strange loop event to you. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, it just I had never seen uh, such crazy things in programming. Um, maybe I was isolated. Uh, I don't know. It was a different time too, a little bit than it is now. Pre, I think it's not pre Twitter, pre how it's become, or, and, uh, and and all these sites that are around now. Um, so um, I don't know. It was uh, Will Bird and Dan Freeman doing Mini Cameron writing a program like a program that 
says I love you, like 99 different programs that say I love you, they generate, right? Um, and uh, it was like stuff like that. Um, oh, like kiss it off, get a talk. I had no clue what he was talking about at all, but later I realized it's about kind of this idea of giving weights and doing prob- like early kind of ideas around probabilistic programming. Um, and uh, I was just floored. I had just never seen, I had never, th- you know, I had, I had no real, com- I mean, when I thought of computer science, honestly, because I also maybe part of it was what I, the little I knew from NYU at that time was mostly machine learning and, uh, um, and uh, AI to some degree. Um, but I had not kind of seen much in programming languages. Um, so that was the kind of, I don't know, the thing. And I, I the, you know, there's a sad part that there's a beer and some crying going on in the corner, but, uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it was definitely, it was, it was, it was both overwhelming and awesome. I, I you know, it's funny cause like I, I still go to strange Deep every year and I like, I love it. Uh, Alex does a great job. I, I don't know if I have the same feelings I had that year. You know, it's, that was like a weird, like just a weird time thing. And it just hit, like that's when it hit um, uh, where I wanted to maybe focus more on the computer science of computing or you know, programming that I was doing. So. so so you came back from the conference and you were like, I need to do this or something. Um, is that is that what it was? So the initial one was... Uh, I told my my spouse uh, I want to quit everything and I'm going to go to school again and study something else. I <laughs> um, was that's that was the initial thing and uh, uh, but then uh, I ended up uh, and I still recommend this to a lot of people who are learning uh, programming for the first time. I took this uh, Coursera course um, that used to be like free. It's like the free days of Coursera. I think it's all like there's it's all weird. Like there's a lot of certificate stuff now there, but. Uh, um, Dan Grossman, who's at University of Washington, uh, gave this course on programming languages, and you do like four weeks of um, SML New Jersey, uh, which I was like types. I, I knew no clue what those were. Um, pattern matching, and then uh, uh, Racket. Uh, we wrote an interpreter. We wrote an ML uh, interpreter in Racket, uh, and then there was a final thing, kind of on OO and Ruby, and some stuff around C as well. And uh, that class was amazing. I, he was like the like one of the best teachers I ever had, and he was not even like speaking directly to me. Um, <laughs> so scene, I can't remember exactly what he was talking about. I should have. He told me to in the, in the sequence in the video, but he's jumping up and down on the table, and that really I don't know. It just really got to me. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, which is later weird because I get I got to like meet Dan and like you know like have a coffee with him, which is cool. Uh, which is weird. Um, but yeah, um, that that was the beginning. I took that course and then uh, got a got a uh, got a job where they let me kind of. I mean, I wasn't doing uh, too much interesting work, but uh, I was able to try out some stuff. I got to like write an iOS application and learn Objective C. Like there was like enough freedom to uh, to play a little more, I guess. Um, and still, you know, obviously like do the things that the company wanted, but. Um, it was definitely like that. That's kind of what started happening, and you know, kind of changed um, where I started thinking about computing as a uh, a thing that I was really serious about. I kind of started taking computing the same way I took film. Like when I did film, I made films. I I, I shot on film. I edited on film and video. I like watched a bunch of movies. I read uh, a lot, as you do, and then um, music the same way. I like just took in everything, and so finally it took some years already. But I finally was like, I'm going to take in everything. Uh, or uh, more things that I had in the past with uh, with computer science. So, uh, yeah. That sounds like a love story. It might be. Uh, <laughs> here I am in a PhD program now. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, so, so you're in a PhD program. Is this Carnegie CMU that you were talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah, I start, uh, uh, not sure when the date of this goes out, but, uh, you know, uh, 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 we start class another week. So, um, and, and what, what, what is the study then? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm working with, uh, the super amazing, uh, Heather Miller and, uh, she does not pay me to say that. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm working with her, um, and, uh, you know, um, in this department, I'm in, I'm in the computer science school in this department called the Institute of Software Engineering Research, um, which I think is, is, is doing kind of this mix of theoretical and practical. But what's cool about CMU 
is you have kind of access to all the other CS departments within the school. It's great programming language, a uh, great programming language group here. There's uh, you know awesome robotics. There's even a great arts tech thing, uh, Golan Levin and cool people out there and design tech uh, stuff. And um, you know uh, the work. I mean the research is still kind of it's a little bit blobby mess what it might be. It's definitely programming languages and it's definitely some mix of programming languages and systems. Um, though, uh, though I've kind of still doing a lot of distributed systems as a motivation, but also networking now, which is kind of some stuff I did at my job that I also have, uh, my two jobs. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, but that's, I'm here to, you know, kind of do the start. It's, it's going to take me five to six years probably. So, so or, you're working too. As yeah. well as okay. So, and where are you working? I work at. Um, I should phrase this nicely. <laughs> I work at Comcast uh, Cable, um, and uh, you know, there's there's definitely some some baggage at Comcast Cable generally, but I work on an internal team, uh, which is cool. Um, I was kind of uh, I followed a really good friend of mine. I used to work at Basho, uh, a company I was doing a lot of like distributed systems. I wrote a database called React, and I um, uh, followed a really great friend of mine, Sean Cribs, who's not at Comcast anymore, but um, still one of my great friends. And um, kind of followed him to work on more uh, initially more distributed systems work at uh, on this internal kind of platform team. It's called Core Applications Platform under. Uh, a guy named John Moore who spoke in a strange loop and a lot of other conferences, really great cat and, um, um, you know, uh, kind of fell into it. It's remote. It's, uh, they're really cool and flexible with me at least. So, uh, it's been pretty good. And, and, um, the work there has kind of influenced what I, my research is definitely more on the theory side, uh, for CMU, but like it's definitely influenced my work, um. We, when I started, we were doing kind of uh, operational visibility stuff in Elixir and uh, Erlang and, and, and like writing our own like weird IDE as well. And then now the work that my small team, kind of applied research team is working on is more like we're actually writing in five languages and we're, in, we're actually uh, programming at the packet level, doing like kind of programmable networks, um, which you know, Comcast has an immense network. Um, and we're trying to do, we're writing a, like a load balancer right now and um, that uses some specific kind of cool packets, uh, packet headers uh, to do work. And uh, the idea is that this team will kind of grow into doing more of this kind of program, like software-defined networking, programmable networks uh, kind of work. So, um, so, so do you feel like that kind of keeps you in balance, having like your fingers in like the real world and then, you know, in the theoretical world kind of? Yeah, um, you know, at work, uh, at uh, you know, the work, it's definitely like a systems thing that we're building that has to be used eventually, um, and so that um, that is grounded. It's good, but it gives me a lot of like motivations and ideas uh, to take to how I want to do, how do I want to apply to the research. So, for example, kind of how it works is that um, you know Heather's background is in uh, she's done a lot of work in distributed objects in Scala. Um, and just a lot of distributed computing work. And, uh, you know, she spoke at Papers We Love conference last year about, like, distributed languages, um, how we actually first met. And, um, but she has her background and, and a lot of PL stuff. And, uh, um, and she was at EPFL and doing a PhD in Switzerland. But um, I'm taking a class here, uh, again, in a week with uh, Justine Sherry, who is awesome and also spoke at the first Papers We Love. I, mean, I know, yeah, we'll talk about Papers We Love, I guess, <laughs> a little earlier, but uh, she teaches a class on programmable networks. The first time she's teaching this course on programmable networks here at CMU. Um, so I'll be taking that and kind of trying to get some ideas for research to apply more programming language uh, theory and idioms to, to uh, this motivation of like, how do we do, how do we run programs uh, in different parts of the network um, Different, uh, different layers of the network is something that I've been kind of contemplating or thinking about. So, very cool. So, um, papers we love. So, uh, I, yeah. I, I know what papers we love are, and I think it's awesome. But some of our listeners might not be familiar with it. So maybe you could kind of explain what it is. Yeah. Um, so um, when uh, in that. And yeah, it's a it's a it's a the mission of Papers We Love is basically a, a community 
that is both uh, online, offline, lo- I mean, and mostly kind of geared to these like local events uh, where people are talking about uh, and dissecting and analyzing and uh, uh, academic and industry research papers. Um, though I think, you know, even though the, the idiom papers we love, the title fits toward, uh, fits the idea of like papers and, you know, people think, uh, you know, latex driven academic papers, but you know, the, here's the kind of bigger thing. It's become ideas we've done, you know, people do survey works and, you know, I think, uh, it's this mission of bridging academia and, and, uh, and industry. And I do think that, uh, if, if, if we haven't maybe, you know, I think it's been a culmination of so many things moving in that direction. I do think it seems, I have no, I have no, sadly, no uh, full stats on this, but like um, it's gotten better. Um, you see that with conferences like, I mean, Strange Loop this year going with ICFP and the papers we love. Um, the whole goals from the beginning were to do that. And now we see it where certain communities, we have about 30 chapters um, uh, around the world. Um, and they grow. Some have a harder time, but some continue and really prosper. And um, you know, kind of we have a we have we have a core team, which I'm a part of, with a few others. And um, you know, we, we started it because uh, we were a little bored, and uh, it was not that great to do it uh, just internally at our company. And so we opened it up, and you know, the rest is kind of awesome. Uh, Ines Sombra and Elaine Greenberg from from San Francisco were like, we wanted like a month after we did it in New York. We're like, let's do Papers We Love San Francisco too, and they called it Papers We Love too, and so like, and it started. It's been over four years. I I don't know the original year now, <laughs> but uh, we did it in New York a month later. It was in San Francisco, um, and then it just you know I, it just became a thing, and um, it's awesome. And you know I I it's the it's like when, you know when I was in New York, it was the only event that I was really going to. I mean I, I like programming language events and those things, but it was like nice to not be part of one language or one specific framework or one specific uh, uh, system. Um, it was cool at Papers You Love, would, we would, you know, there would be papers on, you know, you see, and you see this in, throughout the communities, papers on graphics or papers on, uh, you know, languages, of course, but also, you know, systems. And there's, if somebody did it, you know, did it on a book about, uh, about the, uh, about, um, you know, the science, like kind of a kind of an anarchist view of the scientific method. Um, so you've really seen it uh, kind of just become an awesome thing, and you see it. You know, depending on the city you go to, there'll be more of a focus on this or that, um, and that's super cool. And the people who organize it are like the best people ever because you know they they keep to the kind of values of just being a cool educational experience that people get to take advantage of for free. So. So tell me more about the the format of the meeting because I'm a, I'm a little curious how you start with say an academic paper and, mm. and you turn that into a fun engaging meetup event. Yeah, I think I mean you know uh, I know uh, as I'm in like reading groups now in academia and whatnot uh, and I've had have a reading group at work as well. It's different than like a typical reading group and in, and I think the way we did it and and people uh, I should say other chapters have done their own kind of thing like a smaller a smaller papers we love like in Columbus they do like a kind of they go through a book for example like because it's smaller and it works well as a group um, but you know the one thing we did uh, when we started it was it's like a normal it's a talk uh, somebody will present on a paper um, and again that kind of iterated you can present on a survey of papers that kind of you really maybe focus on a theme or a topic that you really want to kind of dive into or explore um, or criticize, as we've had as well, and um, you know, I think uh, in, in a positive way. And so, but people didn't have to read the papers. <laughs> I think that the hard part is, and we know this. You know, we still get people who go, you know, how can I be part of this thing? I can't. I don't know how to read a paper. Um, and yes, uh, uh, reading reading academic or industry research papers can be pretty difficult, um, especially more theoretical ones. Um, so. It was it, the biggest thing was like you don't have to read the paper. Um, I think people like that, <laughs> and uh, and some people would, and that's cool. And what you would actually start seeing, at least we we saw this uh, a good amount, was people would go to the talk and then read the paper because they felt like they now had this kind of a head start, I guess, to to understand the important parts of it. Because in a lot of the in a lot of uh, uh, 
research literature, it's kind of hard to get, you, you know, you might get um, kind of uh, taken, taken aside by the evaluation of some system or by a specific theoretical understanding that you don't maybe have the background for. And that might not be the crux or the thing of the paper that really is the most motivating and engaging part. Um, and I think having somebody kind of deliver that um, or you know, multiple people delivering that is pretty cool. And, and now we have all these videos, you know, most of, not all the chapters can do it, but a lot of them are starting to. Um, the videos, um, now people can kind of like go along with a paper, uh, download something from archive.org and like, you know, kind of watch the video and kind of get like, oh, okay, now I get that. And, um, and we, we've seen people take advantage of that um, pretty heavily, so. Cool, so how, how, do, how do you decide, like, what paper to do like yeah i mean the chapters themselves are pretty autonomous i mean in new york uh when i was kind of running down we started it you know we we kind of curated it and we you know um my my liking initially was programming languages so it started that way but then we we knew like we wanted we wanted more kind more people to come more more uh more diverse audience uh people who were just interested in different topic matters i mean i think the interesting culmination from the local chapter was having uh, 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 Bonnie Eichmann, who spoke at the Strange one year, but she gave a talk on uh, a paper about generating jigsaw puzzles, which I think is super cool. And that was awesome. You know, I, I, like those are great. And like the audience from that was like a whole different crowd of people from like the arts and the gaming world to some degree, right? And uh, that's cool. And I think, you know, so we also do the conference. Um, that's what I still work on uh, heavily with a great group, uh, Darren Noon, who I mentioned earlier. There's a playlist with me. Is also like the uh, the the puts together the art and the shirts and the notebooks and all the stuff that we do. And um, you know the the conference is we you know we just right now it's it's a cur curatorial based one, uh, but we think it's pretty good because our the biggest thing we want to show is a is a super awesome inclusive speaker lineup that uh, showcases different parts of computing. Um, and like this year, uh, I think we're gonna. You know, I have to confirm with Alex Miller, but I think we're about to sell out um, for our for our room size. Uh, I think we will, and that's pretty awesome that people have just you know the conference is doing that well as well, uh, and the lineup this year I think is super cool. Um, and uh, and so, so this is co-located with Strangelip this year. Yeah, yeah. So on September 26th is like the I have the pitch I got to do. I guess but uh, September 26th uh, co-located with Strangelip, and, and then this year ICFP, the International Conference for Functional Programming. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, uh, I think it's also cool because our we we have a 10 a.m. start time, or like 9:55, which just means you can kind of relax and kind of go into a conference. <laughs> you don't have to wake up at eight. Um, Is it one day or two day? It's a one day conference. Single track. Single track. Nice. Yeah, so you'll get uh, you'll you'll get everything that we lay out. And I think I think there's a good mix. I mean, there's a some really interesting stuff around programming language and concurrency one kind of a view on concurrency and verification. We have a cool talk about kind of the um, uh, uh, why we we have issues in the programming paradigm uh, of how we hire people and what kind of people are doing computing from uh, from RE and Georgia Tech. That seems really awesome. Um, can't wait for that one. And then uh, we have a cool like Kind of an uh, something something around peer-to-peer -peer networks and and cryptocurrencies, uh, and uh, that's going to be really cool. And uh, um, yeah, uh, you know, cool. Another cool like talk about uh, the issues with academic ver like academically minded verification techniques. Um, and then a cool talk about a really uh, classic graphics paper um, from years ago. Um, uh, from then, uh, that's going to be cool. It's about like fluids and like you know, and like uh, as you would see, like it would become like major work in Pixar and animation work. So, yeah. So uh, the other thing that you mentioned, it was kind of an acronym. So uh, I want to make sure the listeners know it. it so it's Strange Loop. It's Papers We Love, and then it's the other the yeah, other I, conference? ICFP, uh, International Conference for Functional Programming. Yeah. So this is just like the intersection because you have the academic one and then mm -hmm. Strange Loop is, is a strange mix, obviously. But yeah, I would think, yeah. you know, a lot of industry people. So is your Papers You Love just going to have like a, like just a smash together both yeah, sides? I think, I think we're somewhere in between. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say this year, like, 
Um, maybe, you know, we only get like six, we only have like six speakers that we choose and maybe this year is like, it's like four to two academic to not, but I think what they're covering is kind of a great mix and, you know, um, uh, it's cool to see cause a, a couple of them, the couple of who are more academic, uh, they know that the audience, I mean, the audience that makes up papers you love is kind of similar to the audience that makes up strangely if they're people who usually work in industry, maybe they, they some we do get some academics who are interested, but it's definitely a lot of people who are like in the industry or people like a little bit outside who like do it on their own or they want to maybe maybe get involved one way or the other. Um, and they, uh, I think, they make up the audience. And the we know that speakers that who do come from more academic mindset that we have get really excited <laughs> for that audience, right? Because they uh, they they write you know these talks very specific to that audience, which they don't normally do. And for those who come from industry, I think you get. You know, we, we bring in people from various industries. I mean, like uh, Dan, uh, who's doing the, um, the the graphics kind of fluid simulation paper, stable fluids, it's called. Um, you know, he worked on the Matrix and all the matrices, and like did all this VFX work um, before. So it's it's really like a, like a really cool thing, right? So it's wow. just uh, it's kind of neat to have that. Yeah, that is really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I was just kind of thinking of your background and then you know, kind of the story that you've you've told of your experience coming through and it just it, it seems like it must be a really special experience for you to come back to strange loop but coming back in such a capacity where you're now part of the conference you're part of putting on this wonderful experience for other people that you first had yeah, um, I mean, I hope so. You know, I <laughs> I can never speak for others. I think, uh, but we, but you know, I mean, it, you know, the the team when we put it together. I mean, we we this is actually the third year, but yeah, you know, I think this is definitely going to be the the biggest. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a cool feeling. Um, you know, I think there, you know, when I was first trying to find something, there wasn't, there was, you know, Strange Loop was definitely there. There was a few others, but there was not like. It was harder. I don't know. I don't know. It was harder to kind of get, kind of to that point of like looking at abstraction or looking at other things. I don't know, with with a little bit more ease or like more pointed guidance. And I, you know, papers we love kind of came out of hoping that we would have. You know, I selfishly I wanted somebody to actually tell me like, how do I learn this? <laughs> um, so because maybe I wasn't the I didn't it didn't work for me so well to just read uh, it right. Um, um, so it was kind of nice to. To do that, yeah. So coming back is is super cool, and uh, you know, um, now that I've even moved, like, it's just, you know, a lot of those people became my friends, and um, you know, it's uh, uh, kind of helped me a lot. A lot of the people who were there helped me a lot of the way to, to you know get where I've been going and whatnot, and, uh, and it's cool. I mean, yeah, you know, we 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 work hard on the conference for people to get something out of it. I mean, uh, we run around like me and the organizers run around crazy as we do that day, <laughs> and then hoping to enjoy. Uh, Strange Loop, and this year, I mean, this year with ICFP, some of the stuff, and there's RacketCon as well is going on this year, and there's Farm, which is an I, uh, which means I'm gonna not get the name right, but it's like a, it's like art and music around functional programming, and uh, they, I think they'll have a, a thing, they have a thing on Saturday as well as part of the IC, the ICFP week, and that's super fun because it's like music and it's art, it's like all this, all that kind of coming, you know, it's like that's how I kind of got into, you know, I still, I, you know, I kind of hopefully view what I do is like even even my work my, my, my day job stuff or my other stuff like it's not you know it's a job but it's like I care about it and I want to I want to do I want to do it I want to do well I, I care about the same way I cared about you know it's not very different for me from like when I when I struggled and was frustrated playing piano on some nights or uh, I was trying to work with a bunch of people and shoot some stuff on celluloid you know so so ha- have you written academic papers or um, uh, so I've, I've co-authored okay. a couple, uh, workshop papers, nothing, uh, you know, nothing, uh, super substantial. Um, but yeah, the goal is to, uh, get in that mindset and prep myself to do it. Uh, as I was told, I, uh, from, from people here, uh, you have to, uh, be ready for some rejection mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I'm. I'm looking forward to it. Maybe it's yeah. You know, maybe it's, it would be akin to like uh, when I used to put up a film after editing and get like super crazy criticism, right? Um, or, uh, so uh, it'll happen. But uh, uh, you know, I, I'm excited and scared. I mean, it's, it's overwhelming too. But uh, to try to do that, um, 
you know, we tried uh, a couple things we've done, like when I was at, at Comcast, we've written some stuff as well, um, more systems oriented uh, work, and uh, some of that's coming out as well. But um, it's, you know, it's definitely going to be new and, and it's crazy challenging. And uh, but you know, I'm excited. I guess. I so. think it's awesome. I, I think. Yeah. I, I think it would be really neat to have a papers we love with one of your papers. Eventually. Oh yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> You know, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, that might be like, uh, then, yeah, uh, I think uh, <laughs> it's like maybe time for the tombstone. No, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, of course that would, that would be crazy. I, I would recommend people not to, <laughs> but, uh, but so no, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I think, you know, uh, the work I've been doing and learning and, uh, you know, I, I just super thank the people I've had along the way who've taught me. I mean, I think anybody you've had on this podcast like awesome people and hopefully I think most of them had really good people that helped them bounce ideas off or just made them better people um you know like obviously I have, I have personal friends and like people from my film background and of course you know uh, my spouse who make me a better person all these things but it's uh it's uh it's cool to like still keep you know still like things have not uh, I don't know things have not gotten completely I mean, it's still like uh, the feeling of newness and weirdness is still always there, and I, I appreciate that part, I guess. Because <laughs> so, uh, I, I just gave a talk before this podcast about like on this project I'm in, I, uh, we have at work, it was an internal Comcast talk, and it was about like what are programming languages, and we're like, like very high level for people who are not that exposed to like what they mean, they just use them. And uh, we're talking about like what is the difference between semantics and syntax and all these things, and showing different programs, but the the takeaway was like, you know, uh, came from this, actually the question came from this paper out of Brown about teaching programming languages, and it was like, what what do you do the first time you confront a new language? Like, what do you feel? What is the first thing that you do? And I was trying to ask this question to to people in this group who were at the talk, and, um, you know, they they didn't really think about that, and I think it's really interesting because working on a paradigm like we work on with many languages, like, you just, you know, you can't be scared, right, of these things. Uh, I mean, you know, you can be, but you know, you still have to do it anyway. And uh, and you know, it's kind of interesting to think about. Like, I think I think a lot of things that way for me is like, okay, it's it's still it's still there's a lot of fear there, so that must be good. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, from your backgrounds in, I guess, the arts, mm. do do you feel like? you can draw on that experience does that help you in what you're doing now in any way yeah I mean um, I think both um, in film school uh, you know even though I was in like New Mexico and I was living in the desert which is a different time in my life um, I think both that and the music school like it, it did teach me like uh, I think work ethic actually of all these things you know working on a film uh, when you're directing or a cinematographer we were shooting on film. It was a little bit different time, and 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 you were responsible for the people that worked under you, and you know people. These students were also doing their own projects, and you would work for them. But like, it was this thing of like responsibility, being prepared, uh, plan, having plans, having backup plans. Uh, and I would fail sometimes, of course, but like that was the that that's what the that's what the learning was. And I think in, when I got to did my grad degree, it was like that. I got to do reading groups and kind of, you know, have to do the work, have to like explore something. And of course, doing stuff now is like, you know, we really now I have to be very, um, uh, very specific and, and, and smart about what I pursue, what I focus on, how far do I explore it, um, how, uh, what is the important things that I want to gleam out of it. So um, and I think it did teach me, I, I think it's a kind of like, yeah, it is the, the work ethic and the way. I, I try to attempt things or, you know, try to learn things. It's, it's definitely evolved, but I think it comes from that. So. Very interesting. So I, we've just been having such a fabulous time talking, um, but we are coming up to uh, an hour. So I wanted to make sure that I, I gave you a chance to, uh, you know, bring up or cover anything you feel like, you know, we didn't cover. Just make sure. Um, not, uh, maybe not in particular. Uh, I think, uh, um, you know, there's there's places where you know some of the work uh, we're doing at Comcast. Parts of it are um, you can find information about, which is cool. And uh, you know, we're uh, 
um, it's cool. Like, uh, you know, I don't know, it's just been, we've been doing some cool things in Rust and doing programmable networks and that's super new for me. I've like writing, I just wrote a lot of C recently, <laughs> which was fun. I had not had that background. So I don't know, there's some cool stuff. Uh, and I, you know, I thank people for generally like we're in the, like the stuff I've been doing. Um, that's not kind of PR distributed systems. Every, everything, even when I learned those things, it was kind of a new space for me. And I really, applaud the people who keep putting out stuff in those spaces to help so we can try to do something new as well. Um, so that's really cool. Um, so I think people should keep doing that. Whoever keeps doing that should keep doing that. <laughs> so, um, and they, they're out there. So, um, But yeah, no, I think that's, uh, that's pretty good. I, yeah, thank you. Cool. So we're, we're going to come to one of my favorite parts of the Cognicast, which is um, asking you for a piece of advice to share with the listeners and I and I gather these all up and like you know write them down too <laughs> so they're yeah. all great uh, you should release the big like a big list of them uh, <laughs> um, yeah I, I would say the uh, advice is a tough thing uh, I, I guess I give the same one I mean kind of this is programming language talk I was giving which was uh, uh, I don't know I, I, I was reading we were writing a paper, and I was I was coming uh, in, as an internal paper uh, survey, and I was like, we're talking about programming models a lot. I keep saying the term, the phrase, I guess, programming models. And I found some paper, which I wish I remembered exactly the name of it, but it was from like the late '80s, mostly around high, um, like kind of uh, high performance computing at the time. Um, and it had this it had this definition of a programming model, and and it essentially it mentioned things like. Um, Ease of use, um, the, the debugability, uh, understanding cost semantics, which plays more into performance than anything. But uh, these kind of like six to seven tenets of like a programming model and why it's important. It's very awesomely generalized and cool. I'll try to find it for you for like a link after. Um, but I think in in thinking about those things, thinking about anything, I think around at least for me around computing, it's that um, uh, I, I try to think of like how do I break uh, the, how do I look at the details of something? And I might just choose four of them. Like I might choose that uh, these four things were good, and that's what I'm gonna gonna do. Um, even though I want to have all seven, but uh, in, in, in a world and uh, all things that I've done, you know, you have some days. You know, you uh, you have to sacrifice some things or forgive some things to to make the other things stand out. And, uh, and I think you know, computing is all about that. But it's all the same way. I mean, think about songwriting or think about uh, or anything else, and so I think uh, I would say it's like it's okay that you can't do all the things, but be very aware about the things that you want to uh, motivate. Um, if that's like you know, in programming language design, that makes a ton of sense, but in uh, in a lot of other fields as well, or other but computing, whatever the case, it, it makes a lot of sense. So um, it, you know, uh, really understand the tenets of what you want to do, and then pick the few things that are that you really want to showcase. And that might sound niche and not make people billions of dollars, but hey. So that sounds great. <laughs> well, I think we'll wrap it up here. So cool. thank you again for taking the time to talk with us. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. And we'll make sure to put the links out that you mentioned uh, for the show. Cool. This has been the Cognicast. have been listening to the Cognicast. The Cognicast is brought to you by Cognitech. We are a team of thoughtful, experienced technologists. Our passion is helping organizations from the smallest startups to the Fortune 50 deploy technology effectively and humanely. We're here to help you build better futures. You can find us on the web at Cognitech.com and on Twitter at, at Cognitech. You can subscribe to the Cognicast, listen to past episodes, and view cover art, show notes, and episode transcripts at our home on the web, cognitech.com slash cognicast. You can contact the show by tweeting at Cognicast or by emailing us at podcast at cognitech.com. Our guest this week was Zeeshan Lakani, whom you can find on Twitter at at Z-E-E-S-H-A-N-L-A-K-H-A-N-I. 
Our host this week was Karen Meyer on Twitter at, at @gigasquid. Think a very large mollusk. Episode cover art is by Russ Olson. Audio production is by Joe Smith and Jared Binford. The Cognacast is produced by Kim Foster. Our theme music is by Cognitech's own Ben Camphouse, who produces music as Pattern Shift. Look for it on any of the major streaming services. I'm Russ Olson. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.